Okay, I think I'm on. Yep. Can you, everybody hear me? Say amen. amen. <laughs> I just want to get amens. That's all I want here. Okay. <clears throat> Julie, I want to say thank you for leading us in a time of worship. I appreciate. How many of you appreciate uh, Julia? Let's put our hands together for her. I'm heartfelt warmed by the love of God that's been displayed over the last few years of my life um, in being a pastor here at this church. And I, uh, I want to let you know that I deeply appreciate the legacy that we're seeing. Uh, time after time again, seeing how much you have been faithful to bless each other and uh, the joy that you get in it. It's a, it's a blessing to see the joy that others get in serving Jesus. Amen. Well, if you'll turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 25 through 28. We're going to probably just get a little bit further in there, but those are going to be my lead verses for today. How many of you are ready to hear the Word of God? Yeah. So I'm going to do some preaching, but you're going to just put your attention on the Scripture itself. You know, I've if you listen to the sermons, the, the purpose behind a sermon is to do exactly what I taught you about looking into the Word of God, paying attention to the context of the Bible. I've been really blessed to have a good handful of people come to me and share with me something meaningful about this challenge of reading our Bible within six months. Uh, how many of you personally have taken up that challenge? We've got a few people that have taken up that challenge. I'm, I'm adding my hand to that. I'm actually, I'm hoping that it'll be quicker than six months, but I, I want to see what the Lord will do through it. So um, I think that not all of us are benefited by reading through the scripture quickly. Some of us are better off if we read through slowly, but I think that we need seasons in our life where we read, we read through the context of the Bible and we just go through it. And other times we need to pause and meditate a little bit more. What I would like to say here, and this is just a little side note before we get too far into this. Because when you're reading your Bible, if there's something that stands out to you, and many of you could probably have told me this a long time ago, so it's probably going to be no new information to many. But, you know, write it down off to the side. Keep on listening or reading, whatever works the best for you. But go back to that point. It's almost like the Holy Spirit gave you a, a divine detour, as it were, to capture what the Lord wants for you out of what you are hearing or what you are reading. And uh, I also want to say this, because sometimes we say read your Bible, and some people, that's just not working great for them, but you listen to it. That's great. As long as you're getting the intake of the Bible, the Scripture in you. And some of you have been doing it for years, and uh, you know the, the value of it, and I'm not, I'm not adding to that. I'm just, um, what I'm saying, complimenting what's already been in your life. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read these verses, and then I want to... Uh, I want to expound a little bit on them. Uh, 25 through 28. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prison prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. 
And Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now you'll notice today I don't have any, uh, anything on the overhead as far as what, what we've been doing. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit to get it all put together, and I just didn't have it put together for you. Um, and with a few changes, I didn't, I didn't want to make it more, um, how would I say, more trying to figure out what to do. So I will, if, you ra- if you want to raise your hand, I'll do the best I can to repeat what I said if I can remember it <laughs> or if I've got it written down. I, but I want to pray here over these verses. Father, thank you for the verses that we're reading today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his inspiration right now. Father, the truth is, this title is as true as, as it's written, is there is an earth-shaking importance to prayer. Lord, I don't know how many of us have captured that reality in our life, Lord, or at one point have really seen how important it is to emphasize prayer within the context of our relationship with you, Jesus. But it is the intimate intercourse that we have with the living God, and I am grateful, Lord, that you have given and delivered an, uh, as an opportunity And the Lord, you do not slumber day or night, and so we can call upon you at all times. And so, Father, right now I pray, Lord, would you inspire us toward prayer. God, would you put it inside of our spirit and reawaken, Father, the affections of the past. Times, Lord, when we are so affectionate and warm and full of love for this place of prayer, and loving, Lord, what it meant to be with you and so interconnected with the living God of our life, that we wanted to pray. And Lord, it was like as if we never had a time in the day that we didn't want to. Lord, would you inspire this church to pray? Because God, if we can be that light upon the hill, the people of this community will be benefited by the prevailing prayers of the righteous. God, because we are learning that we're, as we're reflecting the promises of God as we call out to you, the Lord, you said, ask and you shall receive. Lord, I want to be the kind of people, I want to be the church, I want to be a part of the church that believes that when we ask, we receive, that we believe the word of God as he said it. And so, Lord, I want you to inspire that in our hearts, God. Lord, And I pray, Father, for your name's sake, that we will. Souls are hanging in the balances. Lord, our own lives and our own families are in need of us to be in this commission and faithful to it. And so, Jesus, thank you, Lord for what you're about to share with us, Lord, as you animate and bring life into my spirit, and Lord, also into our congregation today. And I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know I like to pray? <laughs> Amen. We had a good prayer meeting this morning. Thank, thank you for those who came. Thank you, Jesus, that you were there. I want to share a story with you in this uh, well, I, wa- I want to give you a little bit of background in these verses, something I thought about after I had put this down. <clears throat> Paul and Silas were in, the, in, the com- in a community where they were. there was a woman who... <clears throat> Let me just read a few of the verses. I think that would be better. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Okay, so let's look in verse 10. And, and then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And therefore many of them 
believed, I'm sorry, let me, uh, nope, I'm sorry, I was looking at chapter 17. Let's, let me get where I'm supposed to be. Uh, 16, let's go back to 16 here. 25. Yep, I'm almost there. Okay, let's look in 14, verse, chapter 16, verse 14. I'll get you to the right place. You know, nothing's worse when the guy that's up here is misdirecting you. You're like, I'm going where you told me. Okay, verse 14 in chapter 16 of Acts. It says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord... Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. And now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul... Greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teaching the customs which are not lawful for us, but being Romans to receive um, or observe. And when the multitude rose together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So this was the background to what I had just read before I prayed, was they go into this community, God's doing something, but this woman that has this, is possessed with the devil, Paul rebukes it and casts out this demon, and now the prophet that comes from that is lost, and these men are angered because of it. The whole community comes alive as a result, and they're thrown into prison. Now, you've got to think about this. I don't know to what degree they tore their clothes off of them, but obviously to create a, a huge manner of shame in their lives, and then, often, and then with that shame, to beat them. And I don't know how badly, but I just know that they were beaten. And can you imagine going through this yourself? I mean, you want to take a picture. The best thing we can do is try and imagine what that would look like in our end. And... <clears throat> But I want to capture in these verses that at midnight, verse 25, that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I honestly didn't catch when I first read those verses, or that verse, I didn't catch the significance at first the prisoners listened to them until I went a little bit further down into this story. And so what I capture in verse 27, this is the keeper in the prison awaking out of sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled. 
fell down, uh, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. And then verse 28, Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. We are all here. Every one of those men that were prisoners in, in that prison, and it doesn't tell us how many, but it just tells however many were there, when their shackles came off, their handcuffs were unloosed, if you want to call it that, and the, the bar doors were open that not one of them laughed. Not one of them walked out of that prison. And I think that's very significant to think about. Because every one of them, if there's anything, you would think if there's a criminal-minded man, that's his, this is escape route. And I don't know, you could say, maybe the reason for that was, we could uh, begin to speculate, maybe the reason for that is the fear that they would get caught. Or maybe it has nothing to do with that. I wonder, and I think, if you'd ask me, I think it's because there's a captivating power when God moves. I think there's something that just, it, it, it catches you. It doesn't matter if you're a sinner or a saint, you want to be where God is. And I think that that's what we see there, is that not one of them has left because they have seen God move in a very powerful way. So, we're going to have these earth-shaking moments in life. If you're a praying man or a woman, you're going to have earth-shaking moments, not because you were expecting it necessarily, but because God demonstrates himself whether you're ready or not. And if you take a look at these verses, there's nothing in them that significantly tells us that Paul or Silas knew that God was going to shake the prison house. There's nothing about it. They just were, they remained faithful and got the surprise. I think that's the power of prayer is that I keep going because I know God's going to keep showing up. I don't know what he's going to do, but I, don't, I just want to see it happen. And I couldn't help but think, it was a while back, we'd watched this, the movie uh, The Incredibles. And I know probably many of you have seen that. And they don't usually quote a movie in a sermon. But I couldn't help but realize there's this one scene where Mr. Incredible, he takes the, he's, he's angry and he smashes the side of the door in the car. And then he picks the car up and lifts it like he's going to throw it. And there's this little kid um, right there watching him. He's on his little three-wheeler. And he's just waiting for him to do something with it. And he... He looks at the kid and he puts it back down. And later on in the movie, when something else happens, he looks at him and he says, what are you looking at me for? And he says, I'm waiting to see something incredible, I guess. Well, I wonder if that's part of the, the majesty that holds us into the attitude of prayer. Is I'm waiting to see something incredible again. You never know when you're praying for somebody's healing sometimes this is the, when you prayed for them, this one is healed. Would you ever want to miss it? See, there was a day I remember my dad. When, uh, so one of these earth-shaking moments for me was when my dad was in the hospital. And I've shared this before, but maybe some of you haven't heard. But here he has a brain aneurysm from falling and hit his heading on, on the side of a freezer. It had a brain aneurysm from it. When my sister and I went to visit him when he was in Spokane because he was life-flighted from here in Enterprise where he lived to the hospital in Spokane, and uh, we arrived there, and he was, his arms were strapped to his bedside because he was trying to pull his IVs out. And I don't know if he, if he knew what he was doing or not, because the other issue that was going on in his life is that he couldn't, he couldn't talk. Like, he would say something gibberish, but he didn't know what was going on around him, and, and he couldn't say anything, even if he did. 
And so my sister and I, one of the inquiries we made to the doctors is we asked them, is he going to live or is he going to have brain damage? What's going to happen as a result of this? And you got to understand this happened so suddenly. None of us were expecting this to happen. And so the, the neurologist at the time, um, he said, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. It's still a matter of time to know for sure. But, of course, I didn't know what a brain aneurysm, what the, what the life rate for somebody who gets a brain aneurysm is. But let's just say most of the time they don't even live. And so technically my dad should have been dead. Second to that is he should have ended up as a vegetable. But my sister and I, and she wasn't the praying one, I was the praying one. She wasn't the Christian, I was the Christian. She was there in the room as I was. And I, and I just remember praying over my dad's bedside, and I said, Lord, among whatever else I prayed, and which I don't recall now, I just remember praying in the name of Jesus for a quick recovery. See, I could have walked away from that hospital room having never prayed anything. I could have thought, well, God's sovereign enough. He's just going to do what he's going to do. I could have just walked away from it, and maybe that moment that I was about to see See, I didn't see something suddenly, but I'm going to tell you that was a Saturday or a Sunday. And remember, I prayed for a quick recovery. On that Tuesday, that following Tuesday, so only three to, two to three days after I had visited that hospital room, I called the hospital asking about my dad. And I said, I want to know how Rick Hamilton is doing. And the, the person who I was talking to, I can't remember if they paused. I think they said, here, give me a minute. Came back to the phone, and they made this statement. They said, would you like to talk to him? That was an earth-shaking moment for me. <laughs> I said, yes, I would. And they said, well, go get him. That was a second earth-shaking moment for me because <laughs> he wasn't getting out of his bed the day before. He was strapped. So he was walking up, walking, and talking. He was within, within the week, they had released him to go to Walla Walla for further, um, I don't know, for further recovery because he had this thing that was happening. The only issue that he was having was every now and then while he was talking, he would start speaking, but he wasn't coming out language. It was just all gibberish. And so he knew what he was trying to say, but it wasn't happening. But it was only for like a minute or if even that. But see, this is the time I would tell you that if you were to say, James, would you have sacrificed anything for that moment? Knowing what that reality ended up being. Would you have sacrificed that moment? I would have said, not in your life. I wouldn't have wanted to know if it would have happened any other way. I'm grateful that, that I was the instrument of prayer in that time. I wasn't the instrument of power. I was the instrument of prayer. God's the instrument of power. But see, when you begin to recognize that if God, you did that that time, and I wasn't ready for what you were going to do. I wasn't prepared for how perfectly suitable you were going to answer that prayer. Then what about next time? Or what about tomorrow? Do I have any excuse from missing another opportunity. So it's kind of like, I'm, wait, I'm not just waiting, I'm looking. I'm anticipating, and I'm taking every opportunity that I can. And so I think, when we read this, this is the impression I get, is that these disciples, after being beaten, are taking an opportunity. See, God could let them, leave them there, without anything more. It didn't have to be an earth-shaking moment for them to have already had the determination to set position at heart, we're going to honor God no matter what. But this is the thing I think that's good for us to ask this question. 
God, I know that you're going to get the praise no matter what I'm going through or somebody else is. But I didn't want to be on the side of missing the miracle by suggesting that this is one of those times. I want to be on the side that believing for a miracle, if you're the one from heaven insisting that my ears be open well enough, my spirit be alive and attentive enough and awakened to you enough to capture that this is a divine moment, I don't want to miss that. I want to be praying in that direction. I don't want to say, Lord, I'm fine to you know, hobble through life or struggle through this situation if I need to. I'm still going to praise you and love you through the hardship. But I'm also going to pray if the Holy Spirit helps me captivate in my spirit that you want to do a greater miracle here. I want it. I want it. So I remember one time, here's another one of those moments in my life, I remember one time being sick, sitting in my house, and thinking to myself, I remember this as I was studying, I was studying some of the ministry stuff, and I don't remember exactly what led me to come to this point of thought, but I, I just had this thought was, you know, Jesus, when he went and healed people, there was never one that he healed. There was never one person that he came, that, that he actually came up to and made them sick. <laughs> I just, I, I thought that was my thought. It was like, I don't recall, at least I didn't recall at the time, I don't recall Jesus, like, pronouncing sickness over somebody's life. So that got me started thinking a little bit differently. And I think God starts you thinking differently before he starts getting you, before you get to that point of really believing him and seeing what he wants. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, I wonder if the reason why I'm allowing the sickness at the moment, I'm, I'm what would I say, submitting to it, is because... I know I'm going to get better. It may take some time, but I know I'm going to get better. And I'm not suggesting that maybe in this scenario, God actually wants to heal me. I'm just not aware of it in the moment. So as I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I started feeling like the Holy Spirit was urging me to think a little bit more toward the miracle. And what I realized is I started going from the place of just, well, I'm just going to live with it, to go to the place of, I'm starting to expect God to actually bring a healing. I'm starting to expect to feel better. I don't know exactly why, but I feel like that's what he's inspiring in the moment. Yeah. And so I started praying in that, and I started seeing scriptures that fit that. And then I remember that evening having Isaac pray over me. And I don't know if he had the faith, but I did. I had the faith that he would pray for me and I'd be healed. I just had that expectancy had grown over the... I don't know, for the space of the afternoon to the evening. And so he did. And the next morning I got up. Do you know how I got up? I got up leaping. I got up feeling good. I was like, I'm 100% feeling great in my body. And that poor boy was still sitting in his bed. <laughs> and I was ready to just, I jumped on his bed and I just let him know, I'm, I'm doing great, son. You know, you prayed. And I don't know if he saw it highlighted for him what it did for me. Because there's never a moment that we're like, you're not going to get the praise ultimately, Jesus. But really what I'm looking for in the design spectrum of things, what's going to give you the best praise? What's going to glorify you the most right now? I want that in my life. So can some of you name some earth-shaking moments in your life behind prayer? Got some hands, hands out there that are saying, I got some earth-shaking. Amen. Right?
So what am I telling you? I'm not telling you to just focus on what was the, you give God the glory for what he's done. But I'm trying to warm your hearts up to what's next. What's next? Because sometimes I think in this community, I think that the, the devil's greatest match in Willow County is you and me. The greatest concern that hell has, are they really going to figure out how powerful the name of Jesus really is? They're going to understand those promises that are in there. I know what they are. It says the devils believe and they tremble. The church, we continue to stay in, in our sleepy state and we don't, even, we don't even reflect on the promises the way Jesus had them written. He said, if you ask, you shall receive. Did he say it any other way? He didn't say it any other way. So I'm asking myself the question, if the church of Jesus Christ believes the word of God, how can we ask so little? How come when there's an open door, how come the pastor doesn't have people coming to him and saying, knocking on his door at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, Pastor, I'm so full of the spirit of the Lord right now. I'm hungry for prayer. How come the church was not open? I'm saying, like, God's going to move. <laughs> I don't think you've got it figured out. See, this is the thing. We need the fire from one another. I tell my boys, oh, I got to go here. You guys want me to go here? Can I go? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I got one participant out there. No. I tell my boys, when we are getting ready to start a fire, and so what we do is we lay down we lay down the kindling. I actually I have a process. We do it. We lay down some kindling, and it's some pitch wood underneath. It's firing up the kindling. And, and I tell them to lay, lay two small logs on top of one another, right next to each other. And this is what I tell them. I said, because the fire will feed off of the fire of the other one. Now you guys, if you do fires, you know, you put one log in there and it fizzles out on its own. But you put another one right next to it and you make sure you create the right kind of air gap right between it, and then they feed off of one another. You want to get your fire all, you want to get your preacher fired up. You get fired up. Don't wait for me to fire you up. You get fired up. And then when you... You get where I'm going with that? Yes. Get out of the boat. Step out in the water. Let your life be an emulation of what you believe. And when you do, I'm going to see the fruitfulness of it, and it's going to mean something to me. And as I do, it's going to mean something to you. That's why I love these testimony times, because it's like you're sharing of what it was like to stand out on the water. What did Jesus do for me? How did he heal? What did he do? You know, I think sometimes God gives a gift of praying for somebody into your hands. 
Like, I, I want to pray for them. I'm praying, but you're going to be the one to receive the miracle out of the prayer. I don't know. All I've learned is there's something very special about being shut in with the Lord. Something very beautiful about it. I want to read this story. You know, I've been sharing with you some of these quotes from um, Smith Wigglesworth. Well, I want to share one of you one of the testimonies. How many of you have read anything of Smith Wigglesworth? Ah, that's awesome. How can you not? So, if you haven't, you're about to after listening to this. This is a story of a paralyzed woman. It says, she told them, a woman who is paralyzed and didn't want to be prayed for. Okay? So she told them of being paralyzed from the waist down in 1922. Okay, so this is, Smith Wigglesworth wasn't yesterday. Being seriously ill, and Wigglesworth was holding meetings in her town, and her friends urged her to let them take her to the meeting for prayer. However, she did not believe in divine healing. Wow. Right? And did not wish to be prayed for, and she soon became worse, and in fact, was dying. Her friends asked her if she would allow the evangelist to pray for her if they brought him to the house, and she finally consented, but he was delayed. Before he arrived, she died. Now, I think there's a whole lot of preachers that are done there. Yeah, we're done. I, I don't, you know, maybe I'll go pray, but yeah, I don't know, right? Mary Poole related that she went to heaven and was allowed in the throne room. She saw the Lord Jesus sitting on his throne. She saw the light such as she had never seen and heard music such as she had never heard before. Her heart was filled with rapturous joy. As she looked at the Lord, he pointed to the doorway by which she had entered, and she knew that she had to go back, even if she didn't want to. <laughs> this is not my story. I'm just reading it. See, there's another man on the other end that was praying over her. When she went through the door, she heard a voice that later she knew was Smith Wigglesworth. She was saying, he was saying, Death, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Then he commanded Mary to live, and her eyes opened. And those who had been weeping around her bed began to rejoice. Now, you want to talk about a praise meeting. Right? And she rose and dressed, and there was a, I can't imagine what it would have felt like to put your clothes on at that point. It was knock, there was a knock at the door, and some girls from her Bible study group had arrived thinking she was dead. And to their surprise and joy, Mary herself opened the door to them, and she continued in the Lord's service for many years. Not only was she raised from the death, but the paralysis that had bound her was gone. See, I, I like to read some quotes by Smith Wigglesworth because some of them are like eye-opening. This is what we call faith, right? So <clears throat> I wanted to bring this thought in, in. I wanted to bring this story out because my design or my thought behind it or I felt like what the Holy Spirit wanted us to capture is this. There we never miss one of these moments for ourselves. See, you gotta, you got to forget that it was just a miracle that happened as if Smith Wigglesworth one day out of the blue never prayed once in his life, stepped up to this lady, and he prayed over her and bang, it's done. 
This is a man who was warm and alive with God all the way leading up to. You've got to realize there was a past that brought him to the present. And that's the trouble that we get ourselves into. We get ourselves into, I want power now. I want to be able to access God now. But you have never come to the place where you walked hand in hand, heart in heart, and we come to this, you don't just all of a sudden arrive to it. Praise God when we get there. Praise God when we've, we've come through some times of God's dealings in our life and we've grown through them and have been the testimony of the end of that. So the disciples didn't know that the, outtime, the outcome of prayer would be, but they just knew that prayer was, was just needed. We don't have to know an outcome to know God. It's all in God's hands anyway. Now sometimes, a lot of times I think the Lord gives you a specific, this is what you're to pray. But there's other times we just pray because we're, we're ready. We're just getting ready. Whatever you want, Lord. So I say there's a surprise element to prayer that transcends our understanding. It is paramount that we stay prayed up and seek earnestly so that we are ready. See, one of the things I think is just like, how could I say it? I, I notice with myself and others. Probably it's easier for me to notice it with others, just like you, right? But people, are, they're not praying because it seems like to me the part of the reason for not praying is because they would like to see the results before they get started. You know, I want to see the end of the job. I want to see the accomplishment. Then I know how wonderful it is. I'm going to go join myself and get involved. You know, David was kind of like that when it came to Goliath. And David was the only one. You know, all the whole army of Israel was shaking in fear about this one giant that stood almost 10 feet tall. And that's all the natural understanding can give to us. And they're looking at him and said, not one of us is big enough to tackle him. David walks in as just, I believe, a teenage boy, mighty in faith, mighty with God. And he walks into the audience and he looks at, the, he looks at every one of them like, what's wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you? You guys act like this is all based on your own power and strength and what you've been trained to do. It has nothing to do with that. It's the God that looks over your life. You guys need to see the reality here. Let me go do this. And he's not trying to be boastful or proud. He's pr Sometimes people look at faith as, as if you're proud about. No, it's like, I really believe God and what he'll do. And David steps up to Saul, and I wonder, what convinced Saul to even open up the doorway to David? He's like, you're so young. Even the armor doesn't fit you. You're not ready for this. And David's like, I want you to hear something. Before this scenario came up, I was already in my father's field protecting the sheep, and there was a lion and a bear that came. And, and I didn't have a weapon one, and I just grabbed him by, in the King James, it says, grabbed him by the beard and, and smote him and hit him. I'm like, what boldness? There's not a man alive. So I, I'm thinking either, if I were on the other side, and I were the soul listening to the story, I'd be like, nah, right? That's not, that's pretty radical. That's a good story, but I don't know that I believe it. But I think there was something about David. 
See, when you're a woman or a man of faith, ladies, I'm going to make sure you're in this too. I like to talk to the men, but I like to talk to you too. If you're a woman and a man of faith, there's something about how you present yourself. It's not just you're convinced and confident. It just goes beyond that. And there's something I think the Holy Spirit does through you that opens the eyes of people around you. And I get this feeling the soul is like, I don't know why, but I believe you. I absolutely believe you. And David's like, throw off the armor. Nothing about to one of them, and he takes that sling and a stone, and he makes a statement that we should all learn to live by. It is not under the authority of man. It's not the by certain. Right? Yes. I come against you in the name of the Lord. You have defied the arms of the Name. See, this is the thing I think when we take a real hold he can't fail you in any moment. And David did. And we see the results. And to this day, we're still spurred on in our own faith as a result of what David did. So here we have these earth-shaking moments where God defies everything that has to do with logic. And he's given us report after report. He says, I want to invite you. Will you come? Will you come? And I want to say that my heart is yes. But sometimes I need a little convincing just like you do. Whatever that convincing is. I want to read just a little bit more. Are you guys, uh, will you allow me to go just a little bit further? Of course. Good. Have I got a captive audience? The power of God compels men to do the unexpected. That's where I was thinking in that verse 28. I, I want to go beyond just verse 28 because we have these men, the prisoners that are with Paul and around Paul and Silas, they stay there. And then Paul reaches out to this, this uh, prison guard. So let's pick up our story in verse 29. Go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 29. I'm going to read verse 28, but I'm going to go back to 29. And Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, not only the guys that are in prison, but the, the prison guard is, is aware of what's going on. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Let's continue to read. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So they left the prison, they go to his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he brought them into, into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Isn't that beautiful? Just a warm feeling to think about. 
Here's the prison guard that's ready to kill himself. He's now seeing the salvation of God. His heart is so warm toward the message of the gospel. He receives it. His family does. They get baptized. They care for their wounds. They feed them. The hospitality is never going to be greater than that, is it? You're never going to be more hospitable than to the people that have been so dear to you in these kinds of ways. Verse 35. And then, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers. See, I hadn't caught this in the story before, saying, let those men go. So now... The authorities are saying it's time to release them out of the prison. But if you recall, the last verses we just read, they were over at the the prison guard's house. So we think, uh uh-oh, now it's going to get found out. But read this, verse 36. So the keeper of the prison reported those words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Did you catch that? It doesn't sound like he's at the house anymore. It sounds like he made his way back to the prison. Now that's unexpected. So I think this is that you'll see us do unexpected things, bold and unexpected things, because the power of God compels us to do so. See, sometimes the weakness, I like what Leonard uh, Ravenhill said, he said, the, the, the strength of humanism, in a way, the sin that we see is not because of the strength of humanism, because of the weakness of evangelism. We think that the world has so much power. They, they have the TV, they have the media, they have the news. The devil controls everything. Does he? Or the church, or the people of God haven't realized that in all of that, we still have the name of Jesus. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. See, the reason why we fail in our part to step forward and be bold in the kingdom of God is because we really are not, we are convinced that the world and the devil has an authority. But we would be more bold to share the gospel we would open up our houses and, and we would have our own homes and become their own little sanctuaries because we're ready to do life for Jesus because we know we're unstoppable. We believe what Jesus said. We said, you are more than conqueror of sin who loved you and gave himself for you. So what we're being confronted with isn't that we don't believe it, that we don't believe it enough. We don't believe it as plainly as Jesus intended. We need a deeper revelation from the Spirit of God of how evasively real that these are and how the kingdom of darkness has no power over the people of God. I have a few statements I'd like to read you, just a few thoughts. Jesus takes those who are dead in sin and he makes them dead to sin. It's not what you do for Jesus that matters, it matters what Jesus does through you. The finite is redefined by the infinite. See, that says something that's sort of amazing and miraculous is because the, what's impossible, and I'm meaning that, it's absolutely impossible, 
Now it has become the possibility, and all things possible as a result of actually walking with Jesus. See, I want to live to my dying breath, discovering that on a deeper level every day. I want, I want the reality that if he's omnipotent, that means I've never come to the conclusion. There's not a climax to where I am in the moment, and neither for you at all. So I want to step from this life into the next life, having lived my fullest for Jesus. And I don't want, I don't want to look at him in glory. I don't want to see Jesus' faith in his, in, in his perfection. I, I don't want to look there when everything that's been uh, dark and, and kind of hidden now is completely unveiled and realize all Because I didn't see the perfect revelation. But I should have had it that this is the perfect God. So it compels me to pray more. One of the things I remember was when I was in, in Bible school, praying out in the fields. And I, through reflecting on the scripture in, in James, where it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I was reflecting, reflecting on that, and my heart just got stirred by it. And I said, Lord, I want you. God, I want to pray right now. Lord, if I'm not praying fervent enough, and my prayers aren't effectual enough, take me to the next level. Move me beyond this place that I'm at. And I don't think that there's any point in our Christian life where we can't emulate that same prayer. Lord, take me to the next level of fervency. Lord, lead me, Lord, into a place of effectual prayer like I've never been in before. Have I discovered the end of what prayer could be? Not at all. I know I haven't because I can't. I have not, in, in this finite body, I'm never going to come to the full conclusion of the infiniteness of God. And so I'm looking for more on the horizon, not on a finite level, but on an infinite level. And so when you see, I think these kinds of things happen, it must be similar to what Paul and what Peter said when, when all of a sudden Elijah was there. And he's like, and we see, let us build three tabernacles in this presence of God and just stay here. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be here. I want to stay right here where the glory is. And Jesus is like, you're going to have to go back down. You've got some work to do. But this is going to be the driving force behind it. See, this is the thing I've realized. This is for me personally, but I'm sure it's for you too. And that is, is the deeper the impact that God has left in your life, it never leaves you from that day forward. The boldness that you speak with, the power to go out and, and evangelize, to minister the word of God, what you do in your home, your humility, your character is completely deeply affected from that day forward, and it doesn't seem to change. Maybe it gets more glorious, but it never belittles or gets less because of the impact of meeting with God. And so we need these times, these moments that all alter our life continually. And so for me, the driving force And so when we get again in every one of those moments right now, then it just reinforces what's been in the past leading up to the present. I'm praying for people to have earth-shaking moments in their life. I'm praying for earth-shaking moments and times in our churches, unprecedented moves of God so that we can see him as he really is and believe for more. Pray more expectantly. Lastly, I just want to point out that prayer highlights the real freedom that we walk in. 
See, because I, I have to look at Paul and Peter, and I think of the natural human weaknesses that they kind of skipped out of. And, you know, here they're beaten, beaten, and yet they'd suffered shame. And with that, it didn't diminish their commitment and their faithfulness to the Lord. And so here's what I caught in this. The pain didn't slow down the pace. The pain didn't slow down the pace. You know, it would be tr- it's 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 not as hard for me to see the world without Jesus struggling about in their pains, living in bitterness of soul, constantly re- hating and becoming more hateful to those around them, reflecting on their past and the people of their past and having become more cold and more darkened as the days and the years passed. That doesn't surprise me. But what I do struggle with is the church. I struggle with us. Because I know that it's not that I can say that we're not of the same human flesh. But because of Jesus, there should be no reason why the pain of the past holds us down in our ability to pray toward God. See, I want you to understand something. Had Paul and Silas let the pain of the past bear into this time that they were in the prison, if the abuse done to them by others was the defining moment for what God would do, they would not have been the point of praying and singing praises. But because they stepped foot into singing praises and praying, God gave them that moment. See, I think some people have let the pain of what's been in the past. I know I have. I know that there's been times it's like, well, that was because of my dad, or that was because of what if... They let that define the moment. And I love this because Jesus gets a new introduction when he comes in. And when Jesus gets in... When he gets into our life, he likes to let us know, you know what has been in your past? I want you to end it now. I want you to quit calling it up. Because as far as I'm done, where I am, I'm Lord of your life. And you've started a new beginning. Nothing of the old still exists as far as I'm concerned. I've made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. All the old things have passed. How can And what I think is this, I think Jesus is merciful, he's loving, we walk with him, 
on some kind of a medium. God hasn't forsaken us. But I want you to hear clearly from my heart. I think Jesus wants to take you to in the next level. I think he wants to show you how much more glorious and how much more of a conqueror you are. I love that word more in the Bible. Oh, I love it. I've been preaching, haven't I? I just realized I've been preaching. More. How much more? Joseph, he keeps telling me about that sermon. He remembers it years ago. I remember it. You think sometimes a preacher, you remember all your sermons, don't you? No. But do you remember some of them? Oh, yes, I do. And that's one of them I remember. How much more? I want you to hear this. I want to hear this. Lord, help me listen to it with new ears. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts. I think he's talking to the saints today. He's like, you're like, I'm not evil. Compared to him, you are. Come on. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Oh, I look at the mothers in this place, and I know what that means. <laughs> Sometimes dad's like, stop giving to them. They're not ready. Oh, they're becoming bratty or whatever. They're just, but you have a heart to give, don't you? Even when they don't deserve it, you're like, I want you to have it. And then he says, how much more? And I got stuck on that word. And I haven't gotten off of it since. How much more? See, you're, you're finite. He's infinite. Your will and your capacity to give is so far beneath his own. And yet he says, how much more? Infinitely more. My Father in heaven wants to give to those who ask. That's got my heart right now. Infinitely more he wants to give. I hear Jesus saying here, and if you ask me nothing in my name, ask. You know, there's a comma at the end of that, and I said not too long ago, I think it's an exclamation point. It's like God saying, I want you to ask. I'm pleading for my people. Ask. I don't know if it's your loved one today that's not saved. And you know that if they're called and this is their final day and you don't know when they're going to die. And Jesus says, I know. But I want you to hear me today. It's just like you're praying, but you're not praying. You're praying more. I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, I've been praying to you, but I haven't seen you as a resurrection and the life. God wants to convert our prayer life and our pain life and every way we pray in this human flesh and pray in the finite mind and God wants to translate us into a new way of praying. You might have somebody in your life, you might even be reflecting on your own, Lord, I've got this thing that's happening to me. I feel like old age is catching up to me and it's gone too. But it doesn't mean it has to have the final say-so yet. Right? We're all going to die. And like, 
so Facebook, it wasn't like that when I was in my 20s. Pastor, he's still getting old. God getting by pretty well. I'm ready for the new body. I'm ready for a resurrection. He never gets sick. He never dies, right? So I'm saying to us today, I'm saying the only way we're going to get it is us. We go to the prayer closet one more time before we end this service. One more time. We've got to all do it together. One more time we say, Lord, there's still things. I've loved this glorious life to what you brought me. Jesus, I praise you for every ounce of what you've done for me. I love that you saved me from an alcoholic home. I love you that you take me from the darkness of suicidal thoughts and brought me to this hour, to this moment. I love you that you put me to the place of ministry when my, my life was going some other direction. God, I am so pleased with what you've done right now. I couldn't, it, it would just bear me. I feel like I'd be selfish to ask you for more. But I'm, I'm beginning to realize that this is, the complication here is not my satisfaction, but your glory. And your glory goes beyond my satisfaction. I'm going to be satisfied, but I'm going to be satisfied before it ever gets to your glory. So I want to stop praying on the basis of my satisfaction. I'm totally satisfied with what Jesus has done. I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life. You wouldn't have to take me a day further. I'm hungry for more. I was privileged to pray for somebody. And I'd talk to them and something of their life came up and, and God just did something. And, and I sat there as I just, as after I prayed for him. And I just watched tears flow down his eyes and just see the Holy Spirit ministering to what was and now making what is. You know, the Lord can do something per, so powerful that way. And I stood back and I thought, Lord Jesus, this is all for you. Oh, this is all for you. And I want to say that with you because that's your, your moments with somebody else. Let Jesus have his way so that he can ha have his way in you, so he can have his way with somebody else. Ladies, I know some of you have some men in your life that you need, you're struggling with, and it's been some years of struggle. And I want to hear, I want you to hear from my heart, God has him in his hands. You know, I remember, I remember a lady that one time, she was like, she came into my office, in the office, I was in the office. This wasn't here, this was years ago. And I looked at that woman and I realized she'd been so faithful. She was such a sweet representation of Jesus. But along the way, we get weary, don't we? And it's hard to believe for that man that's been for years. He's been just making me have go through hardship. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to say I think God wants to help us. The ladies have been struggling with the men of their life. I would think that the Lord wants you to hear today. I, there's a new beginning for you. You know, as I was telling the brother, it's not 50 days or five days, it's 55 days. You've been walking with Jesus this far. Get a hold one more time of the horns of the altar. I think it pleases Jesus. It pleases Jesus if one more time I'm going to get a hold of the horns of the altar like I did the first time. Like I did the first time. And so maybe you don't feel that way, but I bet most of us, I know how I feel. There's some people I got, like, I got hard. I lost the focus along the way. But I'm fired up now. Thank you, preacher, for inviting that into my life. 
I'm ready to pray for that man. See, I, I love it when my wife prays for me. I love it when the lady of my life gets behind the scenes and she doesn't pray like she sees. She prays like God sees. That's dangerous. You ladies are dangerous. <laughs> and God's going to use you in that man's life. And he's still using you in powerful ways. Don't get discouraged. Stay the course with God. Amen? And you know, there's a whole lot of other things I didn't mention today. But they're under the same exact category. I want you to ask yourself this question. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, was there anything that he couldn't raise up from the dead? Was there anything? Man, that's encouraging me this morning. So I want to give you guys an opportunity. I want the saints today. I want you to leave your burdens at the altar. I want you to leave them here. Sometimes we come up and we pray and we leave part of our, we let part of our burden go. I want you to leave everything with Jesus today. I don't want you to leave this place until you have. I don't want you to wait another minute. I want Jesus to get the glory right now. So let's all together reverently, I'm going to ask Julia to come up. She's going to lead us in worship. But I'm going to ask you to give that special attention to the Lord. I know a lot of times we don't, or we don't feel like it's practical in the moment. I hope that I haven't wearied you physically. But I'm going to pray that you take that moment with the Lord right now. Because he wants to have it with you. Let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll worship together. Father, thank you today for the Holy Spirit. God, our humanity has a way of telling us our own brain, God, is just not secure enough to help us realize how real powerful the name of Jesus really is. And so, Father, all over this place right now, in the name of Jesus, I command the freedom in this place. Freedom that binds us from prayer, freedom that has captivated our minds and held us to anything of this world and caused fear and held us bound to it. In the name of Jesus, I renounce it over this place. And I am thankful right now for the deliverances, the Holy Spirit bringing full measure of the love of Jesus in our life. Lord, none of us are a lost cause. Nothing going on in our life is really what you're going to allow for the preventative. Jesus, the devil, is still just as struggling with the reality of the church of Jesus Christ as long as we're holding on to you in faith no matter what our outward conditions are. I love you now, Jesus, and I pray. Release your people in Jesus' name. Release your people in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Come forward if the Lord's ministering to you to do so. Hallelujah, Jesus.